0: Pastor Xavier Ruiz, describes the dramatic impact of the glories of heaven.
1: Notice they told the Corinthians he was translated to heaven. Paul described his experience as being caught up. Arpaso is the word, which means to see suddenly, violently, womb all at one time by violent force. A translation from one geographical location to the other. Paul described, notice the location as the third heaven.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's an old hymn that says, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Well, there's a big difference between singing a song and living the experience. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us to the simple truths of the New Testament letter of 2 Corinthians to explain what it means to be impacted by the glories of heaven while we're still here on earth.
1: 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10, and the message is strength from weakness. As he moves into chapter 12, he has just finished giving the account of Damascus when he escaped for his life from the governor under King Aretas, who was guarding the city and had a garrison there and was desiring to arrest Paul. And Paul was let down in a basket, verse 32 and 33 of chapter 11, through a window in the wall and escaped for his life. The focus of Paul here is his suffering and weakness. As he had acted as a common criminal, let down in a basket, hiding and scurrying off to Jerusalem. These false apostles Hey, look at us, we're bad. Look, we did this. We never have faults. We never have failures. We have a... Com-. Paul says, I, I, I get chased. I get persecuted. I get beat. <laughs> wow. Then, without hesitation, Paul moves right into another of his experiences. He revealed here that he had gone to heaven, and once again... His boasting is not in the experience for his apostolic credentials as the false apostles, but rather on his strength through weakness by the power of Christ. That nails it. That's what he focuses on. So let's look and examine Paul's experience of going to heaven that was used by God to keep him humble, which is marked by three things. Verse 1 to 10, it says, It is doubtful, not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man, or I know a man in Christ, who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, whether out of the body I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. God knows. Uh, he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure... By the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's experience of going to heaven, used by God to keep him humble, is marked by the following. First, the privilege of having gone to heaven, verse 1 through 4. Secondly, the perception, having gone to heaven, Verse five and six. And then, thirdly, the price for experiencing heaven, seven through 11. Let's begin with the privilege of having gone to heaven, verse one through four. Notice in verse one, the apostle Paul expressed that he was reluctantly continuing to boast, playing the fool. Listen to his words. It is doubtless not probable for me to boast. Paul affirms this fact clearly. The word there, doubtless, could be translated and is, in the scriptures at times, surely or certainly. The word profitable means to benefit, to help. It is a participle present, the Greek scholars tell us, indicating continuously. This ongoing boasting will not benefit them personally, but it's necessary to defend his apostleship. He's entered into this whole full speech for their sake. In other words, Paul is telling the Corinthians that what he's about to reveal to them would not benefit them spiritually. The experience of heaven was for Paul's own personal profit. The hearing of this experience would not benefit them at all. There are certain things that God will deal with your life there for you, no one else. It's like me describing to you if you've never eaten a double-double animal style. <laughs> it doesn't benefit you at all. And there are certain things that God will do for you. Now, you can share them, but, and people say, oh, that's great, but it doesn't benefit them. This is what he's saying. Now, notice Paul had been um, compelled to boast in order to defend his apostleship, as we said, and will charge the Corinthians for compelling them again. He's already said that uh, back in chapter eleven, verse one. He says, "So that you would bear with me um, in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me, because he was going to enter this whole foolish speech." And then eleven twenty-one, he says, "But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also." So he's forced to come alongside. In eleven thirty, he says. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmities. And there's this focus on his infirmities. And when he gets done with this in verse 10, he will remind them again in verse 11. He said, I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostle, though I am am nothing. Because, see, there's still a group of Corinthians that are going towards these false teachers. And he's been compelled to present his apostleship this way. Now, notice still in verse 1, the apostle Paul expressed that he had received numerous visions and revelations. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. They're of the Lord. Not drugs, not anything else, okay? The Lord. Paul identifies two different forms of divine communication here. The vision is when a person is awake. They perceive visibly an account that God is revealing to them, but it is not always accompanied with understanding, as you know, as you go through the scriptures. Isaiah saw a vision, the throne of God, with understanding in chapter 6, verse 1. He describes it to us. Daniel, on another hand, received what is known as the 70 weeks of Daniel in Daniel 9, 24 through 27, of the last days and the Antichrist, uh, with understanding. But then in chapter 12, uh, verse 9, then there is something God says, you know, seal up, is not for you. That's not for you. And Peter confirms this, that sometimes the men of old, they didn't always understand what it was, what time, or what people. Okay, God is the one. Ezekiel had many visions, as you know, as well as Zechariah, many of the others. Sometimes they knew, sometimes they didn't, sometimes they just tucked it away. God is sovereign. Now, the word revelation, on the other hand, apocalypsis, depicts an unveiling of something so as to see and know it and to understand it. It's uh, the same word for the book of Revelation, Apocalypsis. In other words, to unveil. Like if I put a sheet over this pulpit and you've never seen it and you came for the first time and I unveil it, then you see it clearly for what it is. That's what the word literally means. God revealed to Paul the gospel by revelation in Galatians 1.12. No apostle gave it to him. Same word. God revealed in the book of Revelation to John uh, through the angel that he would reveal to the churches. It came down from heaven, the message. God revealed to Peter at Joppa, if you remember, um, through the vision um, to to go with the men that would come and seek him at the house of Cornelius. And he didn't understand it completely. He says, just go. And then as he went, God kept revealing things partially. And then finally and ultimately, he ends up there and he realized this is God's work and he doesn't, he's not a respecter of persons. So it was progressive there in Acts chapter 10. And sometimes God gave some revelation. They didn't understand him at all. They just wrote him down by faith. Because they were future generations. Now, Paul had many different visions and Revelation, as you know. In um, his conversion in Acts 9-3, in the road to Damascus, the Lord appeared to him. And then commissioned him through the hand of Ananias. In Acts 16, 9, at that time when he saw the man from Macedonia and the Holy Spirit forbid him to speak in in Asia and Bithynia. And he he perceived, uh, uh, come over and help us. And they went into Europe and they went into Philippi and from there on to uh, Thessalonica, Berea, and so on and so forth. At the founding of the church at Corinth, if you remember, Jesus Christ appeared to Paul in Acts 18, 9. He says, stop being afraid. I have many people in this city. No one's going to harm you. And he established the church in Acts 22:17 at the time when Paul was arrested at the temple we talked about the offering in chapter uh, 9 and uh, 8 and 9 well, when he took it there, he was arrested. He, got, he took the advice of James and the other elders, went to the temple uh, for uh, dedication of some vows. And he was arrested or accused of bringing Gentiles. As he's being led up to the stairs of the Antonius Fortress, he gets permission to speak. And uh, and he tells about the time when he first came out of Damascus, skirted down that basket and went to Jerusalem and saw Peter and James and no one else. And he got too hot to handle preaching the gospel. That the Lord appeared to him and said, listen, get out of here because they're not going to receive your testimony. And Paul said, but I, 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 they're not going to take. And he went up to Tarsus on R&R for about six years. The silent years of Paul before he went to Antioch in Acts chapter 11. Okay. And then at the time when he appeared in Acts 27, 23, when an angel appeared to Paul and he told him that no one was going to lose their life and he would end up getting to Rome. So, there were many, many visions and revelations that the Apostle Paul had received from the Lord. Now, in verse 2 through 4, Paul expressed that he was taken into heaven. Now, he told the Corinthians what he knew about going to heaven. Exegesis means you only. Receive what's in the text. I see Jesus, you read into the text. Leave the text alone, okay? First he tells them what, that he was taken to heaven and what he knew about going to heaven. And listen to his words. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago. He's speaking about himself here in the third person as if he were another person. Yet he's the man. The man he knew is identified to be in Christ, a new creation, trusting Jesus, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. The phrase in Christ is key in the epistle to Ephesians, over 30 times, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, the person born again. And then he identifies himself in verse 6 and 7 to be this man. In 6, the beginning he says, for though I might desire to boast, and then unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, he makes very clear that he's talking about himself. Now, Notice he specified the personal privilege of experiencing uh, heaven here at a period about 14 years earlier. So he gives us a timeline. The apostle reveals that this experience had been kept secret for these 14 years until he now is forced to boast. He wrote the letter to the Corinthians about 55, 56 A.D. That would put this date about 41, 42 A.D., the time when Paul was in Tarsus, unknown to the faces of the churches of Judea that were in Christ, hearing only that the one that used to persecute the faith now preaches the faith. Acts 9.30 tells us that, and Paul gives us his commentary in Galatians 1.22 and 23. So 14 years earlier from the writing of this letter, gives us that time when he went up when they sent him on R&R because he got too hot to handle, okay? Those are the signs. Nobody knew Paul's by faith. Only they were hearing, now he preached the gospel. Notice he told the Corinthians what he did not know about going to heaven also. It's the opposite. Whether in the body, I do not know. Or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Paul was not certain if he was in this physical body, the word soma, or not. Paul didn't know if he had died. He didn't know whether he was in or out of the body. Now, notice Paul told the Corinthians who did know the condition of his presence in heaven. God knows. He told the Corinthians earlier that when a believer died, he was instantly present before the Lord. He was never found naked in 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. He says they're instantly present before the Lord. They're never found naked. Yet the body is put to the grave and to be resurrected at the resurrection. Okay? Now, is Paul contradicting himself? No. These are two different cases. Paul did not say he died. He doesn't know. What he said in chapter 5 is still true. This and that are two different things. They're not the same. Now, notice they told the Corinthians he was translated to heaven. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Paul described his experience as being caught up. Harpazo is the word, which means to cease suddenly, violently, womb all at one time by violent force. He will use this term again in verse 4, harpaso. Of the 13 times this word is found in Scripture, more than half communicate a translation from one geographical location to the other. The Ethiopian Union that was baptized by Philip in Acts chapter 9, verse 39 and 40, when he came up out of the water... The Holy Spirit harpazled Philip to Azotus. First Thessalonians 4.17, we shall be caught up harpazled to the air to beat the Lord in the clouds, the church, the rapture. The Christ child was harpazled up to God. Revelation 12.5, same word. Paul was harpazled. Paul described, notice the location, as the third heaven. The Bible describes the first heaven as the space where the birds fly. The second is the stellar heaven, outer space, the planets. And the third heaven is where God dwells. Three heavens the Bible teaches. Not five, not seven, not twelve. Philosophers and everybody else, religious people, have different things about heaven. The Bible says three heavens. Now notice verse 3. Paul repeats what he said in verse 2 but not exactly. This is kind of a parenthetical statement. This is a summary statement to affirm the truth about what he did not know about the physical body, soul and spirit, giving emphasis to the truth of it in verse 3. Because Paul understood people. People add, speculate, and say, Paul said this when he didn't. He omits three things. In Christ, 14 years ago, and such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Because the focus is, I don't know what nature and condition I was. Leave it alone. <laughs> and then in verse 4, Paul told the Corinthians what he heard. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Of course, he's talking about himself, but he says in the third person man. He confirmed where he heard these words, first of all, the word paradise. The word paradise was used by and among Persians as a grand enclosure or preserve, a hunting ground, a park, shady, well-watered, in which wild animals were kept for hunting. It was enclosed by walls and furnished with towers for the hunters. The location was also a pleasure garden or a park for special honored individuals who were allowed to enter in to walk and to talk with the king. That's the word. The Septuagint translation, the Greek translation of the Hebrew writings, translates the word Garden of Eden with this word. It's used for that. Exactly. In fact, the word is found only two other times in the New Testament. The first one in Luke 23, 43, where Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. The other one is when John promises the overcomer in Revelation 2, 7, to eat of the tree of life that is in the midst of paradise. These are only three occurrences in the New Testament. Now, Notice he identifies the third heaven to be paradise, using them synonymously for the same location, the abode of God. Some commentators say that Paul is talking about two different locations. He is not. He's at the end of third heaven as paradise synonymously. This means, and is confirmed through the New Testament, the bosom of Abraham, Hades. In Luke 16, Jesus spoke about the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man went to the place of torment, Lazarus. The poor man went to the place of comfort, paradise, the bosom of Abraham. He told the thief on the cross, "Today you will be with me in paradise." First Peter three nineteen through twenty one says he went down, he preached the gospel to those. Ephesians four says he led captivity captive, scooped up all those that were in the bosom of Abraham in comfort. Colossians two fourteen says he made a public display of those angels that could not hold him, the demons. And so Jesus has transferred paradise that used to be in the place of comfort, to heaven now, where God dwells. So what you have now is not a two-fold compartment. You have a one compartment, which you and I typically call hell, that when a person dies immediately without the Lord, they are in hell. OK? And if you die in the Lord, you're instantly present before the Lord. Second Corinthians 5:18. All right, now. Then he says that he heard inexpressible words. Paul did not see anything that we know of. And how often people that say they've died, they've gone to heaven, they come back and they start down, all this kind of stuff, they want to sell books. And so, Channel 40 and everybody else will have them on the speaking circuit. And yet, if you listen to them, if they're adding to the word, they're liars. If they're only telling you what the word of God says about the throne of God, then they're not telling you nothing new. So you have to be careful, right? Now, the word inexpressible means unutterable. The word was used as a technical term for the Greek mystery cults, we are told. Paul understood the Corinthians were Greeks. They would understand this. Not that Paul is an occult, but he's sharing the same thing they know. This was secretive. This was just for him. No one else. Yet because he's been forcibles, he's been discreet in what he does share. He heard things which are not lawful to be uttered. So God spoke to Paul these words for him and his encouragement and ministry for no one else. They were to be kept for him. Again, he reveals them to an extent, but not completely, because of the circumstances and situation. One day, a young girl was examined by a physician regarding her blindness, which she had experienced since birth, and a doctor said that a simple operation might allow her to regain her sight. The family was too poor, so the doctor volunteered his services at no charge, and the operation as they were waiting, came to be and they came to the place where they were now going to remove the bandages and they darkened the room They began to remove the bandages one by one and the young girl said nothing. The lights were turned on and still nothing and she walked over to the window and looked straight out and she just stared and she began to cry. Her mother and the doctors feared that Perhaps it hadn't worked and she was still blind, only to hear these words, quote, Mother, why did you not tell me how beautiful it was? In response, her mother said, I did my best. How much more heaven with these earthly minds and eyes, how, how would you describe it? <laughs> God told Paul, Don't describe it,
0: what you saw. Pastor Xavier Reese. Using Paul's divine experience to remind us of the importance of having a heavenly mindset while here on earth. And you can find this program online to hear any portion you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And you can request your own personal copy of today's encouraging study as well. It's titled, Strength from Weakness, and is available upon request for just $4. Having your own copy makes a convenient way to share the message with others you know, too. The title to ask for once again is, Strength from Weakness. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107 Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California 91107. And please don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. How would you like to find God's plan for your life? You can when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for more important simple truths from the book of 2 Corinthians. That's next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California